Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, another year of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me for uh, another season season of lacrosse, hopefully, uh, Dairy Field head coach Chris Hetler. Chris, uh, how are you doing tonight? Joe, I'm doing well. Let's let the viewers know that we're being socially responsible right now, and we are social distancing right now. We, we're recording in separate separate uh, separate, separate residences yes. right now. Yeah. Yeah, not at our usual, not at our usual spot. Yeah, so if we if we sound a little weird, uh, that's why. Um, this is actually the first time I'm attempting to try to do this over the phone. So uh, hopefully it comes out okay. Uh, but so far it sounds so good. Uh, and I mean, we were, you know, um, we were in for a bunch of changes this year, anyways. Uh, of course, uh, you uh, at the start of the school year took over as the athletic director at Derry Field. Uh, congratulations on that that move. Thank you. It's been a great, it's been a great year so far. This has been, this has been a little difficult to deal with as a first year AD, but you know, we're getting through. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, um, we were going to be in a new location this year uh, that we hadn't actually figured out yet. Of course, with an, unfortunately with, uh, with Riverside barbecue uh, closing, um, you know, late in 2019, um, we were going to have to find a new spot, but for right now, our new spot is uh, in two different places. Um, you know, so we're going to just kind of go with it right now. And, and, and we're also going to, I think, move forward, assuming that there is going to be a, a 2020 high school lacrosse season in New Hampshire. Uh, of course, with all this, um, you know, with the global pandemic here from COVID-19, it's a little uh, up in the air as to what's going to happen, not just, I, I would say, with sports, but with the school year, with life in general. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you know, we're just going to kind of, I guess, roll with the punches here. But I think that's the nice thing. We're doing what everybody else is doing right now. We're adapting. We're being flexible, and and we're making sure that life goes on. And uh, you know, I know when I spoke to you a couple of weeks back, I was really looking forward to this. And I know I've had a bunch of people reach out to me to ask me if we were going to continue to do podcasts. And you know, I, I think it's something that that people are looking forward to. And if we can if we can do anything to generate some excitement and some hope, that's that's a good thing in my opinion right now. So I'm excited to get it get it going for you. And when we get back out on the field, we'll have even more to talk about at that point. Well, in the meantime, yes. In the meantime, uh, well, since since we're uh, today would be what the the first or we would be in the first week of the uh, the beginning day of, three. Of, of spring practice. Yeah, day three. Uh, everyone listening to this out there, uh, be day four. Um, you know, and and of course, go figure that it snows on on Monday, uh, which yeah. would have been the first day of, of tryouts uh, for everyone. We would have. Uh... We probably we would have had our we would have had our base offense our base defense in. We'd probably be doing some ride full field riding and clearing today. Maybe touch on man up and man down. Would have would have had a lot of stuff to do today. So, um, so what we're gonna you know again not knowing what what the future holds uh, at this point um, for this week we're gonna actually take a look at um, an exercise I did uh, uh, you know earlier this year uh, back in February which feels like a decade ago at this point. Um, you know, but I, I again, uh, doing this, uh, this site, nhhighschoolsports.com, this past January was the 10th anniversary of the site. So what I've been trying to do over the course of the, uh, the early months this year is put together uh, a top 10 list of players from the past decade, uh, 2010 to 2019, uh, you know, who just kind of stood out in, in my mind, uh, as being some of the top players, uh, in a couple different sports, of course. We're doing a lacrosse podcast, so we're going to talk about lacrosse. Um, you know, and, and I wanted to kind of get your feedback here, Coach, about just what you think and, and you know, where we uh, where we agree, where we disagree, and, and maybe who... Well, my, 
Oh. And feedback for you, Joe, is this was ambitious <laughs> to say the least. I had a lot of coaches that reached out to me and said they would completely stay away from this altogether. I mean, we've, you know, it's amazing. I think we've touched on it in the show before, just the growth of lacrosse in, in the last 20 years, let alone the last 10 years. I mean, I think about those early teams that I've had. In fact, we're, we're doing a little exercise on social media right now to have some fun with it. We're doing a, a March Madness, Gary Field, all-time team breakdown of, uh, you know, matching up teams, the, the 2027 team versus the 2017 team versus the 2017 and how, how they would have fared. And um, to try and to try and narrow it down to your your all time team in New Hampshire. Wow, that that's uh, that's pretty ambitious. So uh, kudos to you. And, you know, let's let's apologize up front where there's names oh, yeah, that we're going to yeah. miss. And, uh, you know, we I, I would love to see some conversations started online. And I'm sure you would, too. You know, let's let's throw out some other names that maybe we've we've missed in the uh, in the list here. And, you know, we're going to go through that list. But then I think we're going to touch on some kids, um, not necessarily the best kids, but kids I remember from Division two and Division three right. and maybe some other kids from Division one that stuck out to you as well. But, yeah, you know, as people are listening to this. You know, give us some feedback online. Who'd we miss? What what other players should be should be on that list? And uh, if we don't mention the names, it doesn't mean that they weren't great players. It just means we didn't have time tonight. So well, the you know? the the uh, I think the thing that we both kind of laughed about uh, when we were first talking about this, of course, during the you know the indoor season, we were meeting on Sundays up at up at the uh, NH Sportsplex, talking about this. The two of us with uh, with with Chris Cameron, the, the coach of Bishop Girton, of course. Uh, and I think he uh, he kind of put together a list of his own, and I want to say it was like at least twenty players long. And when I told him, well, you know, I, I I'd like to cut it to, or I'd like to keep it to ten, you know, ten years, ten players. He just kind of laughed and was like, oh, good luck. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible, you know. And there's there's gonna people are gonna debate no matter what. It's all for fun. I hope I hope people keep that in mind as they're listening to this and they see the see the list online that. You know, it's it's really about just looking back and remembering good times right now and players that stood out. And also, you know, what what's your top 10 list? Post your top 10 list online for us to take a look at. And, uh, you know, it'll, if nothing else, it'll bring up some fun debates and uh, bring back some great memories in a time when we probably need some great memories oh, right now. Absolutely. Uh, so let's uh, you know what? I'm just going to start here. I'm going to run down the yeah, list, of names, list of names, just read them off. Um, we can just kind of discuss, I guess, after that and. And sure. uh, mention who we he maybe left off here, but he, these are in alphabetical order. So don't anyone, you know, I'm not ranking them. Uh, we're not doing a one th- <laughs> one through ten. Actually, I, th- I believe we have eleven here. I threw in an extra guy, you know, figuring that 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 the faceoff guy probably deserves a uh, we deserve deserve to have one in there. Um, so you know, you see a lot of teams kind of uh, or or all star teams or whatnot with 11 guys on them because of that extra guy. So I, that's how, what this is. When you, you count back and you say, wait a minute, Joe, you, you did 11, not 10. Do you not know how to count? <laughs> Sometimes I don't, but this time it was intentional. So starting uh, alphabetically, we've got uh, Ryan Osher from Pinkerton, uh, Blake Boudreau, who played at Bishop Girton in the early part of the decade, uh, Foster Burnley from Sauhegan, Brian Cameron at Bishop Girton, and his brother Sean Cameron, also at Bishop Girton, Connor Donahue at Bishop Girton, who uh, went on to play at Denver, was a, a what a part of their national championship team, I believe. Yep. Uh, Bob Fahey, also from Bishop Girton. Uh, Nathan Larravee uh, from Bedford. Uh, one of your guys, Matt Milne from Derryfield. Yep. Uh, Dom St. Laurent from Bishop Girton. And in goal, Alex Sturgis from Pinkerton. Yep. 
absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a great list, and we can go down through we can go down through each one of those guys and talk about why why you felt that they were there. Um, you know, if you want we want to want to start with Ryan? Would you start in alphabetical yeah, order? Let's we'll do it. Ryan Osier. I mean, you know, Ryan. I, I had the pleasure of coaching Ryan when he when he was younger uh, in our in our tomahawk program, uh, and Ryan from early on had incredible vision. He was a righty. He was a lefty. There was nothing he couldn't do on the field. Um, you know, we worked hard with him to get to get tougher and be able to turn the corner. And once he figured that out, he was just a dominant force. He was one of those uh, early recruits. Um, you know, before before the rule changed back to back to September first of your junior year. Um, and he had to carry that burden for a while of being an early recruit and, and responded really well over the years to it. Um, so it, incredibly impressed with his high school career and, uh, you know, now going on to Bryant. And he was a, what, a, a three-time All-American, uh, which is something I don't think happens too much around here, does it? There, there aren't too many guys. Mm-hmm. I actually, I wish I had that stat in front of me. We don't have, we don't have too many three-time All-Americans. But, yeah, that's, that's a rarity here. But, you know, anytime you're talking – Bishop Girton and Pinkerton players, if, if you're a starter on one of those teams, and especially a dominant one like him, you're going to be in consideration every year. It seems like BG and Pinkerton, and deservedly so, get two or three guys on that All-American list every year. You know, and the other thing, I mean, of course, he was a, a part of the, the Pinkerton's last two championship teams, both 2018 and 2019. Uh, but, but what kind of stands out to me was that he finished his career at Pinkerton um, as the program's all-time leading scorer uh, in terms of points, which... You know, for for a program that's been around as long as Pinkerton's has been, uh, with the number of of just high level players that have come through there, and the fact that he was, you know, he had a, uh, an injury during football season as a senior, that I, I mean, he he played most of the year, but I don't know how close to a hundred percent he was. I remember that they played BG early in the season last year. And I just watching him, he just seemed a little bit off in terms of. He had to know, sit out. Yeah, yeah there were times. Yeah. I think he missed. I want to say he missed the first BG game. Did he miss the year. first BG game? I thought he. Or or he was on the field and he was kind of like his first games back. I, if I'm remembering correctly, maybe and maybe more it's a like game a, yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah, and use more as like a like almost like a distraction on him. Yeah. Like you had to still cover him, kind of thing. You yeah. know, but he was he definitely wasn't 100. percent But he was a tough kid and you know leader of that team. Yeah, and then to finish, you know, to, to miss uh, or to, to not be at 100% for probably most of a year and still finish with that record is just kind of, you know, that says a lot to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about, you know, Boyle graduating from there and then going on to the career that he had at Hopkins. I remember watching him back in the early 2000s and how dominant he was. And to think that, you know, Ryan, Ryan surpassed him in points, is that's an incredible accomplishment. So the next guy on the list, uh, Blake Boudreau, um, played at Bishop Girton from 2010-2013 uh, and was a, uh, a very good face-off guy for them. Uh, went on to play at, um, started out at, at Marist and then transferred over to Merrimack and was a, a member of Merrimack's uh, D2 National Championship team, what, in 2018? Two-time, yeah. Or was it a two- uh, Actually, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. Oh, he gra- senior year, they yeah, won the first year. He was in the, fi- they was in the finals for two years in a row. And he had actually, to show how important he was, he had actually gotten hurt in that one, and it kind of it kind of turned the, the the tide in that first national championship they lost. And then because of him, I mean, it was a blowout in his senior year. They they ran away with it um, because he was that dominant that year. Um, just an incredible, incredible player. Uh, the one big stat that I was able to find um, in terms of his high school career, uh, as a senior, he won eighty one percent of his faceoffs. Um, and was a champion in all four years while at Bishop Girton, which, I mean, those two numbers are, are, are kind of speak for themselves. Um, you know, and, and for me as someone who, you know, covering the sport, I think you and I have talked about this, you know, 
plenty of times I really didn't know much about lacrosse before moving back to New Hampshire to, 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 to cover sports. Um, and, you know, this was kind of this decade, I'll say it was kind of my, you know, my introduction to it. I kind of learned more and more, you know, every year. And I remember Blake being kind of one of the guys that I first really saw play a lot, taught, was able to talk to a little bit and just kind of learn some things about, about just what, um, you know, what's important in the game and how to, you know, how to, you know, how to do face-offs. Um, you know, like I said, it's something that I really didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, he was part of that group that made, you know, really New Hampshire has turned out some fantastic uh, face-off. Well, I mean, we don't even want to call them Fogos. I mean, they became Fogos in college, but these were two-way middies in, in, in high school. I mean, guys that we didn't even put on that list, you know, you start looking at, at a Zach Tucci, uh, at a Sean Penna, Jack McNall, and uh, Brett Dottillo, you know, all guys that were that were really dominant that, you know, uh, then went on to play in college. I mean, we had we've we've had a because of the, you know, the Blake Pedros of the world, we've we've had a run of faceoff guys in New Hampshire that that hasn't been matched by a lot of other states with the success that we've had here. Um, so it's it's been pretty incredible. And it's it's really changed the game here. You've had to put so much. I know we've spent a lot of time on our faceoff game. Um, you know, I, I just mentioned all those names. I didn't even mention Cole Brahms, who we spent the last oh, yeah. three years yeah. trying to figure out a way to stop uh, over at Portsmouth. You know, um, so it's it's you know, Blake was definitely part of that group that that changed the way lacrosse was played in New Hampshire. You know, the, the next guy on the list, uh, Foster Burnley from Sauhegan, who uh, was one of those kids that started playing varsity at Sauhegan so early. It, it felt like to me he was in high school for like eight years, like just cause it was one of those. It's like, all right, you, you write his name in on the lineup. You know, this is who they've got coming back. It felt like every year for a while, uh, two time yeah. all American at Sauhegan, um, you know, and now he's playing at Dartmouth. You know, he was, he was just, you know, super nice kid off the field, but man, you looked at his eyes on the field and that was someone you did not want to cross. I mean, he just threw angry checks. I mean, you could tell, you know, he was, he was ready for college, by the time he was a sophomore or junior, I mean, he played at a level, he was so physically developed and played at a level that he had to actually tone it down in high school because you just couldn't play like that against kids your own age. Yeah. And now, now he's thriving in college because he's, he's such a, a complete player. Um, he was a fantastic athlete. He could play LSM. He played close D whatever they needed. I think he took some face-offs whenever they needed. He played, uh, right, I yeah. believe they had him playing, um, they had him playing man up at one point because the offense just didn't surround as many pieces as they needed. And so he was doing everything for them. Um, and again, you know, we started, he was part of that group that we saw a run at LSM. You know, I think another kid who didn't make our, our final list, Mike Bayless from, from yeah, Bedford, yeah. Um, who went on to Bryant and, and then UNH football. And, um, you know, it's just we, we've been blessed with a, some really great defensemen too as well over the last couple of years. Yeah, I remember Mike Moore from, from Bedford football, um, but certainly a tremendous athlete in both sports. Uh, and then another guy, um, you know, since we're talking about Foster, we've got to mention, um, you know, his brother Alex Burnley, who was uh, a phenomenal goalie for Sauhegan um, and a guy who easily could have been on this list. If we were doing a top 20 list, a, a guy who would be in this list. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and being, you know, again, went up to Dartmouth with his brother there, um, got thrown into action as a, as a freshman. Uh, he was really well prepared. You know, he, he played at a very high level here. Um, again, on, on, you know, if he had played for Pinkerton or, or BG, you know, probably probably would have been a multiple time All-American as well. Um, you know, but really, 
incredible high school career, great ball stopper, um, you know, really good, really active out of the cage. Um, one of, one of the better goaltenders that I've ever worked with. And, and I'm happy when he comes back to help me with my goalie clinics. <laughs> Uh, you know, another, another guy or moving down the list, a guy that, um, I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with, uh, Brian Cameron, uh, of course, uh, coach Cameron's son, um, was it only Bishop Girton for two years? Um, you know, both yep. years they made it to the finals. They won a D one title in his junior year. Uh, he was a, an all American in both years and, uh, in each season set BG's, uh, single season scoring record. And now he's down, uh, playing for North Carolina. Which is, again, you can say, you know, he did have a lot of talent around him, but he drew the best pull every game. He was getting double teamed early every single game. They would play zone against him. And no matter what it is, he found ways to either involve his teammates or or to get scored. I don't think there was ever a game where he wasn't on the stat sheet, where he didn't show up in the box score. And, um, you know, I just it really to me, when, I, when, when kids talk to me about wanting to play at a Division One level, I point to Brian and say, you know, look at what this kid did on a regular basis. Are you willing to put in the type of work that he puts in? This was a kid that would take a bucket of balls and go out and shoot. And then he would go to the wall and then he'd go run and he'd work out. And then he'd take the bucket of balls again and he'd do that. And he did it all while balancing schoolwork too. And so, you know, I asked kids, I said, if you really want to play at a division one level, this is what it takes. You know, and so, um, you know, a lot of people looked at Brian and were like, man, this kid's a freak. But like, that's what it takes to play at that level. And, um, you know, he, he did it. And he's and now he's he unfortunately before the season was ending here, he had he had a nice little sophomore campaign going where, you know, there were um, Chris Gray and a couple other players on the team were were really starting. But Brian was not far behind in points and w- was turning in a, a fantastic year. So. You know, disappointed that the year ended for him this year, but you know, great things for him to come down the road. You know, you you mentioned the work too, and I and I'm sure it wasn't just you know uh, on the lacrosse skills. I remember, you know, I remember, um, you know, before he was high school age, him being around the team, uh, and he was always a kid that was very, you know, had size um, height wise. But you know, he, seeing him as a junior and a senior, and even now, you know, he put on, um, you know, a lot of a lot of weight, a lot of muscle, um, you know, just from looking at him. So, I mean, imagine there was a lot of time spent, you know, doing other things aside from just shooting and all that. Um, yeah, he, you know, was, he was a student of the game. He looked, yeah. he looked at what other division one and not just what it takes to become an event. He wanted to become one of the, one of the best division one athletes. And so, you know, he, he spent a lot of time. He was one of the first kids I knew that really, he would watch YouTube and other clips online and see what, you know, he would just mimic what other players were doing. He'd go out and out on the field and then just go practice those things. And then he saw what their routines were. What were they eating? What were they, how were they working out? You know, and he would he would do all those things. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of Brian um, and what, what he's accomplished in his career. And, you know, next on the list is brother uh, Sean, uh, Sean Cameron, who is, um, you know, senior now at Bishop Girton, um, potentially. I think the only, only, uh, only current player you have on the list, correct? Uh, that's a pretty good I question. I think so, right? I believe, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's the only one that's actually still, yeah, um, that hasn't graduated yet. Um, and, a, and a kid, you know, we were talking about Ozier being a three-time All-American. You know, if, if depending on what happens this spring and if the season actually, you know, <laughs> we get to have a season, another kid who potentially will be a, uh, a three-time All-American, I would think, um, already two-time. Um, BG, of course, uh, in the finals uh, all three years, winning it when he was a, a freshman. Uh, and he's um, planning to go play at Princeton next year. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I give Sean a lot of credit. I mean, I find it remarkable. We've sat here and we've talked about Brian at length and, you know, what he was like and what he's done. And, you know, a lot of times when you grow up in a family like that, you know, maybe the, the other brother decides that, you know, they want to go a different path. They want to be known for something different. And, you know, Sean didn't, he never shied away from that. He does have different interests. He he is a different type of kid than, than Brian. Um, you know, academically, he's interested in different things. Um, you know, I, I think Brian has ambition to become a coach. I think Sean wants to go into the financial sector. He's got different, he's got a lot of different interests, but it, it's, it's amazing to me that both of those, they, they get along so well and they push each other so well. And, um, you know, different games too. I mean, Brian, Brian's more of a, he's a cerebral player. He really dissects the game. Um, you know, Sean to me reminds me a lot of like a, almost like an Allen Iverson in basketball where he's just a creator. Like you just yeah. you know, off that first step, that first dribble, you know, that dodge the cage, he, he's explosive. And and not to say that Brian doesn't have some of that, but that's more of Sean's game where, where he's able to create just an explosive move one-on-one and, and generate some offense in that way. Um, so really, really cool. I mean, amazing, amazing to accomplish as a family. Yeah. You, you talk about, you know, brothers maybe wanting to distinguish themselves and, and, and really, I think it's just in their game. I mean, their games are so different where Brian was more, you know, kind of power, I think, you know, Sean is a little more speed and quickness. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's good to see that too, in the sense too, because you know, a lot of, you know, sometimes if you don't go a different way, you maybe try too hard to be the older sibling and and for Sean that wouldn't have worked and I think what he's you know what he's been able to do and how he's been able to do it is is um just a, a remarkable thing um, absolutely you know moving ahead oh I'm sorry did I didn't mean to no 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 go ahead yeah yeah this is tough you know this is tough not being able to see you because I'm not you know we can usually I can cue off yeah you give me those oh, facial gonna, cues yeah, right now yeah or you can or you give me looks like uh you know what what are you talking about uh next on the list uh, another Bishop Girton guy uh, Connor Donahue, uh, you know, I got to to really know he was in that or was a senior in that 2014 uh, BG team that uh, wanted the fifth championship in a row, which um, you know set a state record in, in New Hampshire. Um, you know, I, I happened to be doing uh, the season with BG that year, so I got to know him uh, and another guy on the list, uh, Dom Saint Laurent, pretty well. Um, you know, I thought it was just a, a, a pretty well-rounded kid, uh, very, um, you know, seemed very, for, for a high school kid, very polished and very, um, you know, astute to what was going on around him um, and how to, you know, just how to play the game. Um, and, you know, two-time All-American. Uh, and, you know, the one number that I, I got that kind of stood out was uh, he had, what, 119 points as a senior on a team that was loaded. Yeah. You know, and again, it, it's it's easy when you've got guys around you that it, it's easy. But still, he was drawing he was drawing the, the number one defenseman every game. You know, he had he had quick double teams. I mean, it it's still anytime to score over 100 points in a season that that's incredible. I mean, it's just you think about what you have to average every single game to do that. And you can't have a you can't have an off day. It's, you know, and then and then to see what he did when he went on to college. I mean, his freshman year, he start he plays in 11 games for Denver. I mean, in a, in a team that's competing for a national championship year in and year out. Um, so it, extremely, ta- extremely talented kid. Uh, you know, and then following him, another BG kid, Bob Fahey, um, you know, was a, I believe was a what a four year starter um, on defense for, for BG. Uh, he went on to play, or was a two-time All-American, went on to play at UMass Amherst. 
Yeah, you know, when I when I think of Bob, it's hard not to put Kyle Carrasco in that same thing. I mean, the two of them, we call them the Twin Towers, and, and those two guys, they sort of got thrust in, into into Call of Duty pretty quickly. Um, you know, it was, it was around that time where, where BG had the faceoff guy, they had the offense. It's just, you know, they were a little young on D. They had a pretty good goaltender, but they, they had to play some younger guys on defense. And these two guys, I mean, they played like grown men from the beginning. Um you know, and, and, you know, both both Bob and, and Kyle had, had tremendous takeaway checks. They were big, they were physical, and they played great angles. And, and you know, it really transferred over into college for both of them. Uh, next up, Nathan Larravee from Bedford. Um, kind of a guy that, that um, you know, helped put that program on the map. Um, you know, they he was only, I, you know, I, I've, Looking back, I thought he had been around longer um, in terms of their championship teams, but I believe he was only on that uh, that 2012 team that started the three-year run for Bedford. Uh, but certainly, he was a, a standout player for four years. Um, you know, was an All-American. Um, you know, with a young program like Bedford's, he of course, you know, no surprise that he finished up as the the leading scorer there all time. Uh, and then he went on to play uh, at Holy Cross. He, um, you know, to me at the time, he was he was definitely one of the top players in the state. He was one of the best midfielders around. I mean, you could give him the ball and just create, um, you know, and that's Bedford had a dominant Bedford had a dominant team at the time. But he's one of the kids. He's one of the kids that made them that put them over the top at that point. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I don't think I don't think it's any stretch that at the time in, in, in 2012, he was considered, even though it was in Division two, he was considered one of the top midfielders in the state at the time. He was that dominant, um, you know, and then, like you said, was got a, got a scholarship to Holy Cross to play. And, um, you know, he definitely did. He helped. He helped that group start that whole run and get the uh, get the excitement going for that program. Uh, next, a guy that uh, I'm sure you will have plenty to say about, uh, your your own Matt Milne, um, played from, what, 2010 to 2013. And, um, you know, it's always always interesting to me when guys finished with uh, stats that are, like, right on the nose. Him, he finished with, what, exactly 400 points? Exactly uh, 400 career. points. Final final goal was the final goal in the in the state championship in, in 2013 when we when we beat Hopkinson when we got our second state championship and it it couldn't have been it couldn't have been a sweeter goal. I mean, he turned the corner and absolutely stung the far corner. Ball just sat there for a second and then fell to the ground and that was his, that was the final shot he took and that was his final point to get to 400. Um, you know, he followed his brother. He was, he's the second all American that I coached following his brother, Nate back in 2011. Um, but you know, the quick story on him was, you know, we, we had taken a big step as a program in 2009. We, we went 13 and five, we made the playoffs. We ended up losing in the quarterfinals. It just felt like coming back, like we had a really good team, but we needed one more guy that could kind of be a feeder, kind of be that quarterback of the team. And, I, and now I look back on it and I'm like, man, if you had said that today, this kid was a scrawny little eighth grader. But I saw him at camp and he was righty. He was lefty. He had quick feet. And I said, I, I looked, I turned to my assistant during the summer and I said, that kid's winning us a state championship next year. And I couldn't have been more on the money. I mean, he came in and for a freshman, again, it was division three and it was a long time ago, but and things have changed. But still, there was a lot of pressure on a kid as a freshman. And he had some good senior leaders around him, but he scored, uh, I want to say he scored close to 70 points his freshman year. Um, and again, say what you want about division three, he rose up to the challenge in the state championship game. And I believe scored the game winning goal for us. We ended up winning by two, or I'm sorry, we ended up winning by one, but he scored the, uh, the 12th goal. 
that would have that that ended up winning the game for us. So, um, you know, uh, Matt will ever f- forever have a, a special place in my heart. But I'm glad you picked him, and I didn't have to because uh, <laughs> been a lot of lot of special Dairyfield players over the year. So it would have been would have been very difficult for me to choose one. So thank thank you for taking that out of my hands. So. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, make sure make sure they all know that. You know, you direct the uh, direct the angry emails to me, <laughs> right? Uh, the next guy on the list, uh, we did mention him a, a minute ago, uh, Dom St. Laurent uh, from BG, was on that you know same senior class as, as Connor Donahue, uh, winning uh, four straight D1 titles. Um, uh, Dom was a, a two-time All-American, um, you know, went on to play at UMass Amherst, and I believe he's coaching in the area now too. Is he? Is he not? He's yep. He's an assistant coach over over at uh, Sauhegan, uh doing some doing some great work with them. He's running. He's got his own little satellite uh, youth clinic that he does. Uh, you know, just basically skills and drills and and doing some great things for youth lacrosse players in the area here. Um, a tremendous, you know, uh, tremendous private private tutor as well. He'll, you know, uh, he was a great shooter back in his day, and really to the point. I mean, it shows that. If you have good footwork, you have good mechanics. You don't have to be six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds to play Division One. Like he, he was a kid that made the most of his size and power and speed and worked really hard at his game. Um, you know, the other thing that I really liked about his game is he was one of those guys that was not a fogo. He took faceoffs. He was pretty dominant at it and stayed on the field and played. I mean, there's an. Um, or that there's another kid on our list, uh, Matt Bain from Air that went to Bishop Girton that went to Air Force. He was another kid like that that would take faceoffs and and stay on the field and get up and down the field. Um, you know, I just I, I love kids like that. I I hope the game eventually gets back to that where you know coaches are looking for more two way guys because the game was just a lot of fun back then. You know, uh, not that it's not now, but um, it was just different. You know? So the the thing that that I I'll probably always remember uh, about Dom. Um, was like I said, he was a part of that group that that we did the one of the first um, uh, runs of the season with, and um, you know I I kind of tried to towards the end of the year, the more we were we were doing stuff, I, you know I tried whatever I could to make him smile or make him laugh because he was just <laughs> always so serious, uh, and not not in a bad way. I mean he just he he was so focused on you know what their what their goal was, what he was what his goals were that you know every interview was just um yeah he was just so into it uh and and i i took it uh upon myself to try to to try to make him crack a smile and i i actually don't remember if i ever did he still is a very serious player uh very serious kid and i think that's what's going to make him a great coach and a great teacher too is he's he's mature beyond his years and he uh he, he takes things very seriously so you know, but he does when he when he lets his guard down. He's he's a lot of fun. He coaches with us in Tomahawks and stuff, and we've had you know a lot of good laughs together. And uh, great kid. So, so our, our last guy on the list, uh, at least on the uh, the official list, uh, we've got Alex Alex Sturgis from Pinkerton. Uh, you know, this was this may have been actually the toughest one was picking a goalie for this uh, because there have been, and I know we've talked about this the last couple seasons that, that the, the number of talented goalies in the state seems to grow exponentially every year. Um, and there were some very good ones. Um, but must, think, be, must be a good goalie coach out there somewhere. <laughs> I, I might've heard of one, uh, Sturgis though. I, I mean, to me, um, you know, and, and what stands out maybe the most was his last game for Pinkerton was that, that D one, uh, championship game. Uh, in 2018, where they upset Bishop Girton, I, you know, it was one of the things that I looked at, and I was like, you know, of all the things that Pinkerton needs to have happen, he's got to just stand on his head, basically. 
and uh, and he did that. Um, of course, he had some. You know, the, their defense played well around him, but he he had um, probably the performance of a lifetime in that game. And you know, throughout the rest of his career, he was. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was a superb goalie. He was. I mean, if you weren't gonna, if, if you didn't choose him, I mean, who were some of the, who were some of the other guys that you were choosing between? Not to put you on the spot right now, but <laughs> well, is there any it, it, anybody come anybody come to mind to you that you would have you would have put in there? I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts. I mean, probably on the, 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 the two the two at the top. Um, we mentioned um, Alex Burnley already, um, yep. and and Henry Vogt, um out at Exeter, who is a, a senior this year. I mean, those are probably the two at the top of the list. Um, I you know I didn't go too much further than that, but. Um, yeah, those two are probably the ones that come to mind. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think those, those guys are, I think, I think you could throw Colin Casey had a nice career, Colin yeah. delay, you know, two BG guys. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, there, we have, we have been blessed with a lot of good goals. I'm glad you mentioned Henry boat. Um, you know, um, he, he's going on, he, he's still, he's one of the current players, one of the current great yeah. goaltenders we have right now. And he'll be heading to Merrimack as, you know, and they recruited him knowing that they were already going D1. Um, and, and, and Henry is not only solid, he, he, his whole game is solid. He can, he's not only a good ball stopper, but he's good out of the net as well. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm going to throw a plug in. I, I, I think, you know, my, my goalie, Avery Truex, you know, he was a four-year starter for me. He was, he lost, you know, a handful of games in his entire career um, and won a championship every year, you know. So we, we have had some really good goaltenders over the last five to six years in the state here. A handful of games. I think he, he lost two games. Am I, that it? Was that all right? I think it was two. two. I think, yeah. I think you're right. We lost one. <laughs> what? He lost one is, uh, yeah, he did. He lost two games. Handful, both yeah. Two, he lost two. two Division lost. One teams, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty good career. Uh, so those are small hands, I, I would say. <laughs> uh, that's a handful. That's right. So, that's right. All, all right. Now now it's my turn to put, put you on the spot. Uh, okay. Who were some of the other guys that that we didn't mention that you think you could mention you could put on this list? Well, let me start. We we've talked an awful lot about Division One guys, so I, I'm going to reminisce here and go back through back through my days. Uh, you know, we we've we came from Division Three over the years, and then um, you know the last. I'm going to start with the most recent, the the Division Two experience we've had, and some of the names that stand out to me. And again. I apologize. I tried to write down a bunch of names from different teams that, you know, really stood out to me. And I'm, I'm sure there's guys I'm missing, but um, we could be here all night. Um, you know, I'll start with one kid. Our, our first year we came into uh, we came into Division two in 2015 and uh, we had some epic battles with St. Thomas. And I remember there was a kid, Xavier Quinn, who was a mid big, tall, strong midfielder. Uh, I believe he's still at St. A's, but this has been his senior. This might be his senior year or next year will be his senior year. Uh, probably next, yeah, next year because he would have been a he would have been a, a freshman in 2016. Um, so he he's a kid that stood out for me for them. Um, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Xavier at all when when I, you covered know, him? I I probably saw him. See, and this is this is the other. Maybe I should have mentioned this up front for people. Um, with all of these lists, I, I put a little in a little a uh, little caveat with them. These are the kids that I saw play um, that I felt you know were the, the best. Um, sure. You know, I, I, you know, this is a kid that probably fits, you know, is someone that I probably saw. I don't remember too much about him because for the first half of the decade, um, you know, because of my job at the Nashua Telegraph, I was focused on, you know, Nashua teams and who they were playing, um, yep. unfortunately. Yep. So, well, I'll give, you, um, I'll give you another name from, from St. Thomas that you might remember, and it's uh, Andrew Gepper, who, yep. who's, who's yes, now, now playing in college. And, 
you know, was a, was a great defenseman for them. Didn't finish his career at St. Thomas, but was a dominant player while he was there too. So those two guys stood out for me. And then, uh, you know, I, I got, there's a, there's a ton of names I could have written down for Portsmouth, but, um, you know, early on, I remember, remember thinking, how are we going to shut down this beast of a kid, John Franks, this huge midfielder attackman. They had a, they had another attackman, Luke LaCroce. Um, John went on to play for AIC, Luke, I'm not sure if he ended up playing in college. Um, I believe, you know, a bunch of these guys have gone down to Emory Riddle. He might have been one of the kids that went down to Emory Riddle. Um, but he was a real dominant player for them. And then, you know, thinking more recently, obviously Cole Brahms, who's now at Utah, taking faceoffs for them. Uh, Ali Allen, who was a dominant midfielder, who's now at Bates. Um, so those guys, I mean, you know, and again, there's, there's a ton of guys from Portsmouth that, that could have made that list. But those guys really stood out to me. Um, you know, I think about one of the teams early on that, that has beaten us in, in Wyndham. Um, and I, I think about, you know, that year they beat us in 2015, Anthony Gallo was, was just a tremendous midfielder for them. Uh, ended up having a nice club career at UNH, um, Steve Burnaby on defense playing at UMass Lowell and uh, kid Noah Rust, who again, put a, a tremendous amount of work into his game and, uh, is also at, at Winnick now playing. And, uh, so those guys all. I'll give a moment to breathe here and let you chime in <laughs> if you remember any of those guys. Uh, I remember Burnaby from from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, talking about him when the, the first year that we did the season um, in 2016. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember he was a kid that year too. That they, um, you know, if they needed some offense, if they needed a spark going, they threw him up. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in, on offense and and let him try to make the, some things happen. So he was a kid. You know, not only just kind of a physical. Uh, you know, kid on defense, but he would step in and, and kind of make things happen. He was very versatile. He was the only kid who he was a one man clearing show. And, and he's the only person that I've ever said, you know what, forget tactics, forget fun, you know, forget what we should fundamentally do. If you see him with the ball, you are sending all three attackmen to him and just stop him, make him throw the ball to someone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was that dangerous. Like if you let him get ahead of steam, you were not going to stop him. And he was going to the goal and scoring a goal. I mean, that was literally, we talked about it when, when we did the season that year going up to Wyndham. I mean, that was, that was something that I said, guys, you're never going to hear me say this again, but forget the way that we ride for the day. If Burnaby gets the ball, all three of you go to him and make him throw it to someone else. We'll take our chances with someone else, <laughs> but we weren't going to let him beat us. So that was, <laughs> he was a dominant athlete, man. So, all right. So back to some of the other kids I remember, uh, you know, again, goaltending wise, uh, I remember there was a kid, you know, didn't play on the best team. He played for Bo Chase Chamberlain, but, um, you know, really, really kept them in a lot of games and ended up having a really nice career uh, is now playing out of Keene. I think he's the, he was the starter for Keene this year um, and is, is turned in a nice career there. Um, I remember a kid, Jack Carney, All-American, uh, was an All-American at Goffstown, playing at Franklin Pierce. Uh, you know, other Goffstown kids, the year we lost the Goffstown in the state finals, Stephen Dubois, who's now at SNHU, uh, Christian Marquis, who was a, an amazing face-off guy and then would go down and, and invert and play, play attack during the game. You know, those guys really stood out to me. Uh, Sam Sheeran, who was another All-American for Goffstown, played at Lehigh as a midfielder. Um, you know, all kinds of, um, anything on those guys, anyone, anyone, well, there's one, guy, there's one Goffstown guy that you don't have on there that probably doesn't get as much recognition because he was such a good wrestler, such a good football player was, uh, Connor Bork from Goffstown. Absolutely. Uh, yes. I forgot just, about Connor. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be, here's a, a spoiler for everybody. Um, in a couple of weeks I'll be doing, uh, top athletes, boys and girls. Um, and on the boys side, 
I think Connor's got a pretty good shot at getting on that list. Um, that was a kid from, I mean, the kid was just a winner. I, I mean, he won at yep. wrestling. He was part of a, a championship team in lacrosse, championship team in football, um, and just a, a phenomenal athlete who, I mean, watching him do some of the things that he did in those sports, it was just kind of like, I, I don't know how he's doing that. So he was one of the kids I remember. So it was it, the year we won in 2016. We were we were really keying on we were keying on him, Stephen Dubois, and we had to figure out a way to beat their goalie, Colin Holt, who was another really good player for them. Uh, who ended up, I believe, up at Clarkson. I believe he was playing. I believe he plays at Clarkson now. Um, so yeah, I mean, Gosstown, just a you know a program that only won one state championship in that in that run, but just a tremendous uh, group of group of athletes and players there. Well, they were on the, they were on the unfortunate end of Bedford's uh, run there in Division Two. I believe they lost to him in the two years prior to winning. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was a program or a, a group of kids that had made three straight championship game appearances. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I hate losing games, but you know, it was a, it was a it was a really nice group of kids and a hard working kid, a hard working group of kids, and um, you know, just uh, and and for Josh to get a championship with him retiring this year, uh, Josh Lewis. You know, it was a, it was a great way for those guys for those guys to cap off a, a really good run with that group of kids too. Anyone else? Uh, you know, and then I'd be remiss. You know, we had we've had some great battles with with Hollis over the years, and uh, you know, the year we lost for them, the the year we were going up to Division Two, uh, 2014, when we we lost an epic double overtime game to them. Uh, Ryan Papineau, uh, who was a, was yeah. a dominant attackman for them, and then uh, Sam Whitaker, who was who was a faceoff and just a a beast of a midfielder for them. You know, that was that was back. I mean, God, things have changed so much that you know, six years ago you really could have like two or three dominant players and, and that's all you needed. And now if you don't have a complete team, if you don't have 10 guys on the field exactly. there, yeah. it's, it's really difficult for you to heck make the playoffs, let alone get to a state championship. Um, but those two kids were, were very dominant for them at the time. And uh, definitely, definitely big reason why they, why they won that game that night. Uh, do you want to throw out a couple of other names? Or well, we did, you did mention a couple other guys while we were, we were, uh, they were all kind Don't of on my, there, yes. my secondary list. Um, Valus, of course, Carrasca, um, you know, Burnley and, and Vote as goalies we talked about. Brett Dottillo, you mentioned face-off guy. Matt Bain, um, Jack McNallan. Uh, I also want to mention um, a couple other BG guys, Tim Heinrichs and Charlie O'Brien. Uh, yep. Were both on that, I believe, 2016 championship team, I think it was, at BG. They were both seniors that year, I believe. We talk, um, you say, do you say Tim Hendricks? Yes. Timmy, Timmy was a, he's a senior this year at, at Providence. So it might've been, was it, would it have been 2015? Maybe they were, you know, I might've been 2015. They were seniors. I thought it was, ah, I, they all, you know what you should, you know, this too. Uh, they all blend together after a while. We'll just say that. <laughs> the years do blend together, but, but definitely uh, two, two guys that, that stood out, um, you know, over the years. Uh, and then another guy from Bedford, uh, Dakota Clark, uh, went on to or started out what at Air Force and then is now at UMass Lowell, I believe. Yep, and you were you were right by the way. I just looked it up. Timmy, what it was 2016 when they when they were seniors. Oh, good. I thought I. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, another guy we haven't really we haven't really talked about, Buddy Carr from Exeter. We you know, there's a lot of a lot of great Exeter players over the years too, and uh, you know, Buddy Buddy was definitely he was an All American. Uh, you know, has had a great career at UMass afterwards, uh, really dominant player for them as well. All right. I think, 
I think we made it through the players. Do we make it through the players? Apologies. We made it through to, the players. I, apologies there's two to players left on oh, your. Well, there? there's two players left on your list that I didn't realize. You know, I'm looking at Cody Marquis, one of my one of my good friends <laughs> here from from Londonderry. I don't picture Cody like it, I don't. I hope he doesn't take this in the wrong way, but I thought Cody was older than this. He's got it. What was it? Twenty ten? When we when did he? I might, when be, he I might be wrong with that. I don't. I'm. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I wish I had something in front of me. I wish I had something in front of me right now. Um, but that one, that one, that one jumped out at me. Cause I, you know, I, I love Cody's game. Uh, he now plays in the, uh, in the old man league with us. Uh, it, what I, I just looked it up right now. Cody Marquis senior 2010. He just, just made it in the window, that, just in the decade, just in the win, just in the window there, but still, uh, you know, plays like he could, he could be in high school right now, still out there with us. Um, and the other kid who originally was uh, on my list is one of the most dominant players that I ever played against in Division Three back in 2010. We played uh, Tate Jazokis, who went on to um, – he only played one year at Kingswood, and he did go to Governors after that. But his one year at Kingswood was, was truly dominant. He was he was uh, co-player of the year and in, in offensive player of the year in Division Three. And, uh, you know, as a freshman, he might have been an older freshman, but we threw the kitchen sink at him and he still had seven goals in that championship <laughs> game. We couldn't we couldn't stop him. Um, so, you know, just a great athlete there. So, well, that was fun, man. That was that was a lot of fun to look back on. That. Yeah. If we if we didn't if we didn't mention a name. Uh, apologies, but let us know. You know, bro, let us yeah, know. Also bro. let us know. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Do we have do we have a, a quick minute to run down the teams? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's take a look yeah. at, let's take a look at your top teams. So these are now we did the names chronologic or excuse me, alphabetically, the, the teams we're going to do chronologically. So the first one I've got on my list, uh, would be the 2014, uh, Bishop Girton team that, uh, you know, set again, set the state record winning the fifth consecutive D one title. Um, that team went 19 and two, uh, the two losses were both out of state. Uh, one of them I'm drawing a blank on at the moment, but I remember the other one was against uh, LaSalle uh, down in Providence. Actually, I believe it was Duxbury was that it they Duxbury? would have lost that year. That, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I remember driving to. I think I was down. at. I think I was at that game. I, I think I remember going to that game. It was a neutral site game, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was at that little tiny field in, in just outside of Boston that uh, yes. is yep. impossible to park at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I must have been at that game too. But also down in the the one down in Providence was. Um, a brutal one that uh, it was a strange kind of spring day. It was a sat Saturday and I think early May. It was raining in Nashua. It was probably about 50 degrees. We drive down to Rhode Island and it's like 70 and humid. Uh, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just a gross day. I feel like BG had a lead and then it just, they, you could just tell they were getting tired because they hadn't played in conditions like that uh, yet this that year. Um, yeah. Well, and not to make not to make excuses too, but that was still early on when when Bishop Girton was was uh, venturing down out of state and playing some of these teams, and you know I think there was they had to pay their dues as far as like I think yeah. there was still some you know fifty fifty calls that maybe the refs were calling for the out of state teams, and it you know now when you watch those games, there's a lot of respect for what BG and Pinkerton and Bedford and some of these teams that have gone out of state and done, and so you know I, I think it it gets called pretty straight up, but. You know, I think there was a time period there where, you know, maybe the benefit of the call was going to the, the hometown team as it, as it may be for a little while. Um, uh, the next team on the list, also from 2014, uh, I've got uh, Bedford, which is the third year of their three straight Division Two championship teams. Um, and, you know, the reason this year they set the record, too, right? Uh, they, well, they, they set it the next the next year. It got to 72 games uh, yep. the following year after they moved up. Um 
you know, and so when they lost, yeah, when they eventually lost that that streak, it was at seventy two. Um, but the reason I had the twenty fourteen team on there was because that team, you know, they knew they were going to be moving up, so they scheduled a bunch of games against Division one teams and beat all of them, including Hanover, Exeter, and Pinkerton. Although the Pinkerton one was kind of on a fluky goal at the end of the game, still a win. Still counts. Still counts. <laughs> yep. Um, so you know that I had that team on my list. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, the way they challenge the way they challenged themselves that season that was a uh, that was that was an incredible that was an incredible run there and showed that they belonged. They had the talent to belong up there. And and to Coach Gerard's credit, he he challenged them appropriately. Uh, the next one you might want to you might want to plug your ears on this one. Maybe maybe just I had uh, <laughs> tw- 2015 Goffstown uh, on on my list. Um, nah, they deserve it. They deserve <laughs> it. That was a, that was a great team. You know, and, really and be, yeah, because of what we were talking about. You know, that was a team three straight championship games that lost the previous two to Bedford, and you know it, it kind of finally broke through. I, I feel like I, it wasn't the end of that year too. They had been on a run. I think they were undefeated until late in the year, weren't they? And then they kind of. They lost they by lost. one or two to Exeter, I believe. Yeah, and it kind of um, – I think they had another close game there. It was like, okay, what's going on here? Um, but, you know, that that team, I think, was probably the favorite heading into the year. Uh, oh, they absolutely were that year. I mean, they, they, they carried that well throughout the year. They, they carried that flag, and everybody kind of knew that that was going to be the team to beat. And, uh, you know, they just – they had a solid player at every single position on the field. And then they had another enough good athletes surrounding them that they, they were, uh, they were a dominant team all year. And, um, you know, again, that was a team that proved it too. And they, they played, I want to say, uh, I wish I had their schedule in front of me. I know they, um, I know they played a close one with, with Exeter and lost, but I know they, I feel like they played another division one team and beat that team. I want to, I don't know why Londonderry sticks in my head, but, um, you know, again, it was it was a really good team, and I, I was proud of my kids for how we came back in that championship. We were we were on the verge of getting blown out, and then we came all the way back to tie it and take it into overtime, and it just didn't yeah. work out. And you know, it was a really fun. It was an epic game. It was great. And that was the um, that was the first year that they had, the NHIA had all three boys championship games on that Saturday at Exeter. And I don't know if you remember, um, I believe the D three game went to overtime too. Trinity beating Pelham, if, if yes. I'm remembering that correctly. Yep. And you then, of, you, of course, you had um, Pinkerton upsetting BG in the D1 game. So that was that was quite a day of lacrosse. Um, just three games that were, you know, that, that definitely lived up to the, the championship pill. It, it was, I mean, I, I'm sad that I was on the wrong end of it, but it was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely a great, great day for New Hampshire lacrosse that day. Yeah. So I've pulled up Goffstown's 2015 schedule from that year. And... Of course, it's on Max Preps, so I don't know how how much you believe this. Um, yeah, I'm, I I don't know if I believe what's on here. So, uh, man, just, we need uh, where yeah. where's Lax where's Lax Power when you yeah, need it? Yeah, so, we're all missing Lax Power right now. Uh, moving on, <laughs> uh, my next team uh, would be your 2016 team, uh, the Dairyfield team that uh, started your run of four straight D2 titles. I know you and I have talked about this before, which of those four teams would, uh, you know, was the best one. Well, we're going to find out, follow us on social media this week and you're going to find out. (laughs) Well, I, I have my answer for you. I, I say 2016. Um, I thought that, thank you for taking that out of my hands, by the way, again, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I thought that was probably of the four teams, the most complete team, um, the deepest team. Um, 
and you guys had a chip on your shoulder that year. You know, like you said, you lost to you'd lost to Goffstown the year before, but the year before that, you'd also lost to Hollis Brookline uh, in overtime in the championship game. Sorry to sorry to bring up bad memories for you. But, no, and uh, and if you re- and if you remember the playoffs set up in a way that that we could we could kind of exact you know, and we had. In 2015, right. we also narrowly escaped St. Thomas, and and so we had to play St. Thomas, then we had to play uh, Goffstown, and then we had to play Hollis. The other way around, yeah, that's right, that's and right. We went and we went full circle with it. We came full circle with everything. Now it was a, it was a it was a storybook ending for that group, and um, you know that was also the group that went we went down to Florida together. Um, amazing group, you know, just uh, you know they they bookend their career too. I mean, the seniors that graduated last year were spoiled with four championships, but that group won as freshmen and they were able to win as seniors, and that's a pretty special thing to do. That group, um, the the 2016 group, um, also started the 63 game win streak that that uh, came to an end last year. Finished up yep. as what the second longest in the state, and I believe what are we what do we figure it was the eighth or ninth longest in in the nation. Uh, we have to look that up on lax yeah. records, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's up there. It was, it was a fun group. And, 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 you know, it is like, like we talked about when it was happening last year, it, it's fun for, you know, we played the teams in front of us and, you know, you can, if, if we had been playing division one or other teams, you know, who knows how long that streak lasts, but, you know, I was proud of the group last year for, for rising, you know, the 2019 team rose to the challenge. We played Westwood out of state. We played South and. Uh, we played Exeter, you know, where the where the streak came to an end, and we lost by one in that game. And you know, I think it really prepared the kids. So, you know, over the years, I, I've really gotten on board with, you know, if you challenge your players, you challenge your program, your program gets better. And um, you know, so again, the streak was fun, but uh, yeah, you know, it, was, it, it definitely helped to springboard us to where we are today. So, Lax Records has it as eight, but it also says sixty six games, which is. I'm pretty sure isn't right, but it would still be eight anyways. If, if it is, uh, 63, we'll take the extra, we'll take the extra three wins. We'll go uh, back. <laughs> the, uh, the next team on the list, I've got 2017 Hopkinton. Um, okay. this was the first of the three straight D three championship teams for, for the Hawks. Uh, and the reason I, you know, this one, I, the reason I have this one on here, very much the same reason why I have your 2016 team on there, because I thought this was the deepest Hopkinton team, um, they dominated the most. Um, they won games, or excuse me, yeah, they won by a, um, an average of twelve goals a game, and they allowed yeah, more. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, they allowed more than five goals just three times all year. Um, you know, so I thought that of of their three championship teams, I thought that one was probably the best. Yeah, I mean, just really, really, really good depth in that team. Um, you know, each I would agree with you. Each year, uh, there's there's been holes, but I mean, the, the 2018 and the 2019 teams were pretty dominant as well. But I, I I would tend to agree with you that from top to bottom, that 2017 team has probably probably had the most depth on that. Maybe you have to maybe we'll have to get Deacon Blue on one of these podcasts <laughs> and see what he thinks over the years. Well, now that we can do the, we know how to do these over the phone. I I mean, I I imagine we could. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, and then the last two teams I've got on the list uh, kind of go hand in hand, and I guess it's pretty, given the the way lacrosse and the state has been the last uh, decade plus, pretty fitting, uh, would be the 2018 Pinkerton and Bishop Girton teams. Uh, of course, um, you know, Pinkerton uh, upsetting Bishop Girton in the championship game that year. Um, you know, and, and really, I, I, you know, some people may disagree with me on this, I, I'm, but... Um, you know, I thought that Pinkerton, as good as BG was that year, and they were very, very good. Um, you know, Pinkerton wasn't that far behind, 
And um, no, it did. It did take a kind of a perfect storm, I think, for them to pull off the upset. And maybe if they play ten times, Pinkerton only wins maybe two or three. Um, you know, but they were they were just as or they were a talented group that te- that year. Um, you know, and 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 so was BG. And I think that championship game, those two teams uh, are a perfect example of just you know how much uh, the sport of lacrosse has grown in New Hampshire in the last decade. Well, let me let me ask you this another way around though. If if BG comes back and wins that game, do you still put Pinkerton on that list? BG arguably, if they go undefeated there, are probably one of the top twenty to top fifteen well, teams in the nation that yeah. year, and and would definitely be on that list. Would you still have put Pinkerton on that list losing that game? I guess it would have depended on how they lost that game because when they played in the yeah, regular good season, in the, when they played in the regular season, BG won by two. And they had to come back and win that game, uh, and right. and I know a lot of people thought that that game wasn't, you know, a true uh, example of where the teams were. It was played on Pinkerton's field on a, uh, you know, a rainy day, so it wasn't a great track. But it was an, wasn't a great track for both teams. I mean, both of those teams could score, uh, you know, and and I know we've talked about you know with with BG that year. You know, you, the thing I I look at was, um, you know, outside of the the games against Pinkerton. Their closest game was a three-goal win at BC High, which was really a six-goal game with about two minutes left. Um, and BC High was a team that that ended up finishing in USA Today's top twenty-five, national top twenty-five. So yeah, right. if, if BG wins that game, you're right. I think they end up being a top fifteen team, you know, in that poll. Um, I mean, that was the first ever. That was the first ever New Hampshire team that's gone undefeated out of state, playing more than one game out of state. Yeah, you know, like. Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty, that was a pretty dominant team, but I, I agree. There's no way you can't give, uh, Pinkerton their due for being, being one of the top teams on the, on this list. And that, I mean, you could, you could arguably put, you could put multiple Pinkerton and BG teams on this list if we're, if we're being honest, um, you know, and, 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 and to, to, to the out of state factor, um, you know, that year Pinkerton went out of state and beat Medfield, Cohasset and Lincoln Sudbury. And, uh, their only other loss that year was a one goal loss against Longmeadow. Um, you know, who I, they, um, you know, they play every year, um, home and away, or excuse me, they rotate every year as far as I can tell, or far as I know. Um, you know, so they, but they had a pretty decent out of state, um, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great, that's a great list. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You just rattled off there. So no, I think, uh, I think you nailed it with that list. I think, uh, again, if people disagree and you feel like we've left some, some teams off there that should be on that list, let us know. Um, you know, but I, I really enjoyed it, Joe. It's when we've been, uh, we're, we just hit the hour mark here. So I know it's a good thing. Uh, good thing not... all of us are home with nothing to do right now. <laughs> I did not expect to go that, that, uh, to, uh, to hit that long, but, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And, um, I know I did coach. I, I'm pretty sure you did too. It sounds like. I, I've been. Uh, I think we hit an hour because we've been going through a lax withdrawal the last the last oh, two weeks absolutely. here. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that'll uh, that'll wrap up. I guess our first uh, first official uh, nine state sports show for the 2020 hopefully season. Uh, well, I think the plan the plan going forward weren't we uh, possibly taking a look at what our what our season previews would have been for we, each division? Yes, I think we are gonna. Yeah, that's probably a, a safe bet or or maybe something we should do. You know, we'll move forward kind of just assuming that the season's going to start um, at some point and kind of roll through our previews. Maybe we'll even take a little bit longer since we're going to have a little bit longer. 
you know, and possibly if teams aren't playing, you know, we can we can take some time to highlight players and coaches in the area and talk about, you know, if nothing else, maybe this turns into a senior highlight and we talk about, you know, the careers that some of the some of the great seniors and where they're going to school next year. So I'm looking forward to it, Joe. Thanks again for uh, having me on. I am too. Thanks again. He is uh, Derry Field coach and AD, Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again. I am uh, Joe Marcellino. We will talk to you again next week.